Welcome, you're listening to Break the Cycles. My name is Yun. And it's your boy Sal. We're motorcycle enthusiasts, sharing with you our experiences on the road, stories of our motorcycle travels, and the lessons we've learned along the way. Welcome to Break the Cycles. Uh, I'm Yun, and I'm joined by my co-host Sal, and today we're going to be talking to you about how you can get into motorcycling. And with us is our good friend, Farida. Uh, Farida, would you like to introduce yourself real quick? Hi, guys. Um, so I'm relatively a new writer. I started writing a couple of years ago. And um, I guess the first question is, um, what do you guys think is the most important thing to... Talk, tell someone when they're if they're if they're interested in getting into motorcycling. What do you think it's is is the one thing that you were you would want to talk to them about? I think the first thing is you have to set expectations about your involvement in the sport. So there are different genres to the sport. There are people who do track days only. There are people who do a lot of touring. People who ride off road. People who are into the cruiser lifestyle. You know which one of these genres do you align yourself with and after that you know how often do you see yourself riding each year how many miles do you plan on riding each year you know uh, once you have these answered then you'll get an idea as to the financial part of the sport that will that you'll be incurring how about yourself Rita? what do you think uh, for me, I uh, whenever anyone asks me and they want to start riding, I always say, take a course, go sit on a bike, see how you feel. And then as you do that, you'll be able to answer the more sophisticated questions that you asked. How about yourself, Jan? I think for me, the, uh, the most important thing is uh, emotional and financial commitment. Because I think a lot of people come with the expectation that motorcycling is going to be like super cheap and they think that they're going to go out there and buy a thousand dollar motorcycle and like just wear jeans and then just get a cheap helmet and then you're ready to go um, but that would be a very dangerous situation i think that's a uh, very unique defining factor for uh, motorcycling is that you know you want to buy a, you want to buy the protection gear and of course, for your first bike, you know, you definitely want to pay for something that you don't want to be tinkering with or uh, working on or trying to trying to make it run properly. Because that would be also if there's mechanical issues uh, for your first bike, that would that would just be a um, a terrible situation. So you want something that runs, which in the likelihood you'll pay a little more for it. And then also you have to be committed to purchasing all the proper gears. I agree about the gear. I think many people think, let's go and get the best bike out there. But uh, the best advice I was given is see the, your budget and make sure you take a chunk of that money and put it towards your gear. And I didn't start riding until I had all my gear, or most of it at least. What about getting your license? Because, you know, when, once they, they get into uh, understanding, you know, what they want to do what about what about like acquiring a license in like in in maryland or any other state in the u.s yeah so i'm gonna be captain obvious here and it is illegal to ride a motorcycle without a motorcycle endorsement 
I don't care if you rode dirt bikes when you were young. I don't care that your buddy does it. And uh, to be frank, if he does, he's an idiot. But <laughs> if you are caught, you are pulled over on your bike without a motorcycle endorsement, your bike can be impounded and you can go to jail for that offense. That's just the reality of the situation. Now, speaking on my experience, I got I took a MSF course, Motorcycle Safety Foundation course, through the MVA in Glen Burley, Maryland. Just because out of all the MVAs in the Maryland area, that one was the cheapest. I think it was a probably low two hundred to mid two hundred dollar range. It was a I think it was two days on the course. I forget how many in the class, but after you pass the course successfully, that does involve a rider test. They give you a permission slip, I guess you could call it, and you take it to an MBA, and they issue a new license with that endorsement branded onto on that piece of uh, on that card. So mm-hmm. that's my experience. How about yours, Frida? So I did something similar. I took the course through Montgomery College, and then I got that little paper, took it to the MVA, and got my endorsement. But now, as you were talking about riding without a license, I it just hit me that I rode in Cairo, in Egypt, without my license. I was riding with, uh, I rode someone's Harley, and uh, he gave me gear. And um, it just hit me that I don't have a motorcycle endorsement on my Egyptian license. I wonder if my international license counts. I don't know. I'm emailing but. the Egyptian police. <laughs> I think I just got lucky. <laughs> I think I think your international license will be fine because if if that would if that was not the case, then how will anybody be able to travel in the other countries? Because there's no way they would have any endorsement there. They would just have their international license or their license from somewhere else. True. So I think I was legal. I think uh, Yan, you you took you took yours in uh, Maryland as well, right, Glen Burnie? Yeah, mistaken. yeah, I did. I did the same as you, it, and and like like you said, it was the cheapest, um, by far the cheapest. Um, but those appointments tend to fill up really fast, uh, because it's the cheapest. But they they they're offered through like you know colleges, you know colleges and dealerships. Harley Davidson is you know famous for offering these things as well um, but they're they're much pricier they tend to be at least speaking now they tend to be like 350 to 400 dollar range uh, for those classes and I there, there's also another way to do it which kind of I did because I had a motorcycle mentor I got a uh, learner's permit which means that I just went in and did the written test just like how you would do in like getting your car license in Maryland and um, I got a learner's permit for a couple months, and then I rode with my mentor. So by the time I got to do the course, um, well, it was it was rather easy. Um, but the course, at least in Maryland, was two days in the classroom. That typically is like a Thursday and Friday uh, at night. And then the um, Saturday and Sunday tend to be um, uh, the on-site practice that's usually during the day and saturday usually you practice the whole day and then on sunday is like you practice and then the afternoon you just test and right after you test and you either get the certificate to go to mba or not so it's pretty uh it's very high stakes i would say 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, don't, I think you can only... There was one guy, he dropped the bike once in the test, and because of that, he wasn't allowed to get his endorsement. So... Oh, I got... Did. I got, I got, yeah. I got, I got one person that like rode through like there's two, there's two separate uh things going on at the same time, like two, right. two uh two instruct, two sections going on at the same time. I got one that rode through both sec, uh both parking lots. Oh my god! Like completely lost control. I mean, they were fine, but they completely lost control and rode through two parking lots, and they were asked to go home. No way! Yeah, immediately. <laughs> well, it's like, nope, you're done. Oh man, mine was a little traumatic. I saw. A girl uh, dropped the bike so bad that she, her leg was bleeding and they had to get Whoa. the ambulance. Oh we my. had another lady that wouldn't go over, um, I think you were supposed to get it to 25 or more in a part, and she wouldn't. She got kicked out of the course. Damn. And we had another female rider that um, failed her test. So <laughs> I was proud to be <laughs> the only female there that got my license that day. <laughs> Rita was a star. Uh, I was happy that I just went home with that paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but this is this is not to deter you from getting into motorcycling, obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, you should go get your motorcycle license despite everybody crashing and hurting themselves in the course. <laughs> no, but guys, that's why I always say take that course. It's a control yeah. environment. Yeah. You're in a parking lot. You have people around you. You have tiny bikes. They're low speed. You will know if you like it. You're going to know if you feel comfortable. And you're going to come back the next day, which not yeah. everyone did. And then you're going to go for the license and buy that bike or just go home, right? Absolutely. So I I think that's, that's correct. I mean, like, you know, definitely go and uh, try it out. Um, and you're, you're in a... Relatively, it, it's it's a dangerous sport, and yes, you could get potentially injured while doing the the licensing course. But it's going to be a very controlled. It's not going to be a catastrophic situation, mm -hmm. um, and then you'll kind of know whether or not this is for you or not. And and I think that's very very true. Um, and John. Don't mm -hmm. forget, we take the course in regular gear and a helmet, right? But once you start riding, after you get your license, you're going to invest in that gear. So you're also hoping that little injury she had in the parking lot, you won't be having on the road if you're wearing proper gear. Yeah, absolutely true. Absolutely yeah. true. And and the other the other thing I, I want to note is, even if you get your license, does not mean that you are ready to ride on the road because literally that's two days in the classroom and then yeah. two days practicing to do some parking lot drills you are not ready to take the road you have to get somebody to mentor you you have to do more parking lot practices so that you get the the mechanics to a um i would say like a muscle memory for mm -hmm. like stopping, holding the clutch and everything. You have to do a lot of practice if you never if you never ridden before and then find a mentor to be able to, you know, ride in front of you to navigate all the traffic for quite a bit of miles before you kind of like go on go off on your own because that's that's where most of the injury happens are gonna be 
uh, new motorcyclist. I don't know, yeah. man. I got my lessons. I was like, where's my leader bike, man? I'm ready for the big boy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding Sal, talk about commitment. I used to come back from work, take the bike out of the garage, and go up and down the street to the stop sign, up and down <laughs> to practice. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I think I might be ready to go out and beyond my stop sign now. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly but surely, though. <laughs> See, there was some form of commitment there. I have to respect that. Yeah. Even if it was only like 50 yards. So. And, and, I, and I think that's totally a valid point. Like, you know, like people can get their license. And this is this actually happens very common. People get their license, they buy their bike, and they ride it like once in a blue moon. Like that is going to be a very, very dangerous situation actually, because if you don't use it enough, you never learn the mechanics and you never get better in riding the bike and you just take it out every once in a while. That is something that, you know, when when you make that emotional commitment, you make that time commitment and the financial commitment, you have to go out and constantly practice until you get to a comfort level that you can go out and ride. You know, and and that's that. I I don't think that's a uh, that's something that everybody understand that they need to do when when they get into motorcycling. It's not like you get the license and now you're ready to go take the road. So mm-hmm. right, yeah. I want to transition to gear because I know we lightly touched upon it, but obviously that's it's it's a topic that can be dis- discussed pretty thoroughly. So you know, you you got your license, you, you're about to get your bike, but you know. As we mentioned before, you want to get your gear first. So my approach is, okay, you're new to the sport. All your gear should you should buy used, with exception to the helmet. Your helmet should be bought brand new. You never know if a used helmet has been trashed, etc. Just get that new, plain and simple. Now, in regards to like a jacket, boots, your pants, your gloves, a lot of people are selling their gear at usually a discount and compared to MSRP. And usually you can score a deal with pretty decent, well-maintained gear. And I say buy used because one, it's cheap. It's very affordable to buy, uh, you know, used gear. And number two is, you know, if you decide you don't like motorcycle riding at all, you can at least sell your gear without too big of a loss. If anything, sometimes a profit if you scored a good, a good deal. And that's that's the main reason I consider buying used gear. I, I, think, you? I think that might be... I think that might be uh, only valid for guys. Uh, I'll let, I'll let I was Rita. just, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so enough. I got lucky that I was introduced through some of the female groups to uh, the proper riding jeans that still wasn't protective enough. But it is very hard to find used gear that's your size as a female rider. Actually, even new gear. Um, so, you know, I went through, I think three pairs of boots and thank God Rivzella ships in like 24 hours, but then you got to ship back. Um, the gloves fit right away. The jacket was perfect, but I struggled to find the right pair of pants. And, uh, you know, my hashtag was always short girl problems <laughs> because finding the right <laughs> bike that would be short and the right pants that would be short was not easy. <laughs> I, I totally agree with the uh, what Sal said about the helmet. Um, there, there's so many variables, and helmets, helmets, helmets shelf life is five years, 
And like you could buy used, and if you don't really know what you're buying, and then you just buy some somebody's really old helmet, I mean that's practically not having any protection on your head when you hit the ground if you do hit the ground. So absolutely get your helmet new, and you know get something that's you know relatively comfortable. And you definitely need boots, and then jacket, gloves. And your pants, because when when you tip over, even if you tip over in the parking lot, and you're holding your bike and you tip over at like very low speeds, the first thing you're gonna hit is going to be um, your hips. So if you get pants, definitely make sure that they have hip pads, and your boots. Boots gonna be very important because if you end up like, you know, off balance, and then you end up the bike end up lean, you know, laying on your leg. Mm-hmm. Um, you have proper boots, eh, you're going to be okay. I mean, it might hurt. Uh, you might get a little bruising, but you're going to be okay. But, you know, if you don't have any, any protection there and, you know, you've got a couple hundred pound bike sitting on your leg, that's, that's not a good recipe. Jan, I'm going to add to the helmet note that, uh, sometimes you can buy new helmets, but there's like the, uh, discount stores online mm-hmm. and you need to call them when you like a helmet and it's on discount and make sure that ask them when the manufacturer date was because someone right. told me that and I had bought a helmet and then I called and it I think it was I had two or three years left on like the shelf life so um, that's also worth knowing you're paying less but you're going to have it for less time yeah it's a very valid point because the general rule of thumb is you don't want a, a helmet that is more than five years old because mm-hmm. of the chemicals that go into the styrofoam. They degrade over time. I'm not a, an expert on that, but that is the general rule of thumb. The uh, the other thing to uh, very important to, to consider um, is fit, like uh, fitment of the gear. Um, you can buy some really really cheap gear with decent okay protection, but they might fit you terribly. And if the gear fits you terribly, it's actually going to be somewhat dangerous because it's just, it's very uncomfortable. And everything on the bike that needs to be comfortable and needs to fit you well. Um, a lot of brands, if you, if you have, you know, tall, if you're a guy and you have, you know, slim waist and broad shoulder, um, you're going to probably want to look at all the Euro- European brands like Revit and, and Dionysi. Um, but, you know, and and other and some of the American manufacturers, the cuts are much more uh, closely tailored towards like the American body type. So uh, you want you you definitely want to you you definitely want to buy something that's going to be comfortable for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of jackets, you know, if you're a really good looking guy like me, and you're <laughs> 170 pounds and you're you know athletically built. And the uh, the Revit jackets, the Alpine Stars, those jackets are pretty good. That sounds In pretty contrast, strong. That sounds pretty scrawny to me. No, 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 no. Let's go with my description. <laughs> but like those those American brands, like Joe Rocket, Roland Sands, Icon, they're definitely an American fit. And if you don't get a properly sized jacket, it's gonna feel like you have a parachute on. You know. I just remember one of the uh, I, I I bought a uh, Tourmaster jacket. And I bought the textile stuff. I was like, oh, this is super cheap. And I bought it. And literally, once I'm underway, I literally blew up like a balloon. No way. <laughs> like, 
I, I, I turn I, I turn into like a like super marshmallow man because especially textile because they're really lightweight and then yeah. it, it, and they're like, and the jacket was too big uh, at least like in the cut area so that right. it looked like a giant poof ball and I was just like rolling down the road like you know marshmallow man and it it does become a problem because you know like you're trapping all this air and it's really uncomfortable. And right. if you don't know, you know, your operation of the vehicle very well, I mean, it, it can get in the way. I'm not saying it will, but it can. So definitely look for comfort or something that fits you properly. Like I was, I was totally one of those guys that wears whatever t-shirt that works kind of thing. Like I'm not very typical about size and I got into motorcycling and then I turned into like this, this guy that needs like everything to be perfect fit, custom fit kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Frida, where did you get your gear fitted for you? Because... I mean, I bought used gear, so it was literally just I try on whatever they had, and the helmet. I went to Cycle Gear, and once I found a helmet that was shaped for me, I I bought it off Revzilla or you know wherever else I could find a good price for. But yeah, for women, I know finding female riding gear is a bit of a challenge. So the hardest to find uh, were the pants. I was riding with riding jeans uh, that had knee armor but no hip protection initially until a friend recommended Gear Chick. And uh, she helps you virtually. You send her your picture and your measurements. And uh, through Rivzella, uh, she um, got me fitted for the perfect pair of pants. Um, and I always recommend her to all the female writers. Okay, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It's a good reference to know. So what about like getting that first bike oh man yeah, this is this is like can be a this whole is, podcast to itself but this is like asking what oil to use yeah that's right exactly or, or what <laughs> or what tire to use <laughs> oh my gosh dude. what's the best tire right yeah but what well there, there's there's still some maybe maybe we don't talk about specific bikes but like what are some what are some considerations as far as like you know a lot of people say you get like you know the the 250s and, and some people say just get the bigger bikes and and what, what what's your own personal experience in getting getting the motorcycles yeah sure so i guess i'll kick off this one so there are three factors you want to consider and i'll say i'll, I'll start them in order of importance so number one is cost if you're new to the sport again you want to get something that is affordable to you the second is weight you want something that's light and manageable and the third is power. You want something that's you can easily control. So in terms of cost, a lot of the bikes that are 250cc, 300cc, or 650cc bikes like the Ninja 250, 300, and the SV650, they're, they're extremely common in the market. They're like Honda Civics. They're bought and sold like crazy. So those are very easy to get into and to get out of as well. And one thing you want to consider is that if you like the sport, your first bike won't be your last bike, and I'm sure everybody here can, you know, definitely has some experience to add on to that. The second is weight, and I will say this: so a lot of the street bikes I had were like 400 plus pounds. The Ducati, the Triumphs, they're around 450, 460. And then I just picked up this Husqvarna TE610, and although physically it's larger than a Ducati. It's 150 pounds less. Like it weighs around 300, 310 wet. And it was just kind of like an epiphany to me. Like, wow, I just feel so much more confident managing this bike, not only when I'm riding it, but also when I drop it. 
because I had the confidence to know that, hey, I can pick this up if I'm on my own and without an issue as well. So weight is another factor you definitely want to consider. And the third is power, you know. It's it's not that difficult to say that, difficult to argue that a less powerful motorcycle is less to manage on the road, you know. Come on, like 20 horsepower on a motorcycle versus 200 and like you're a new rider. Like a 200 horsepower bike will outrun almost any sports car on the street, you know, even supercars. That's not ideal for your first bike at all, you know. And people will say you're going to ease into it. Well, I think that's a bunch of baloney in my experience. So No, I, I totally agree with the with what you said about the power. I think one of the one of the uh one of the things that most, you know, beginners don't understand when it comes to oh, it's just, you know, we're talking about 20 horsepower and 200 horsepower. The throttle rotation, it's the same whether it's 20 or 200. You know, that's that's a lot more uh that's like 10 times more power within the same amount of uh, rotation. So like it's very difficult to control that power versus um, versus something with less power. Right. See, for me, my first bike, um, I again, the SV650 you mentioned is one of the good beginner bikes and it was recommended. So I went, I saw one and I fell in love. I didn't realize that this is 400 pounds or so and <laughs> I couldn't sit on it because I couldn't even put my toes on the ground. But I loved it and I decided this is my bike. I thought maybe I'm just not experienced. That's why I can't ride it yet. So it got, uh, we had to uh, ship it, like a truck had to bring it uh, and I kept it at a friend's uh, shop until I was ready to lower it and get on it. So when I was talking to a friend that wanted to start riding recently, I was like, go for a bike that you can sit on. <laughs> go for a bike that you can hold. It doesn't have to be heavy. Um, so these little tricks, you know, when Yun talks about the emotional commitment, I took the course and I right away was emotionally committed to the sport. I just didn't always make the right decisions. Uh, so it was like a, I had to learn a lot through the process. Yeah, so I totally did not follow any of the uh, advice of uh, the writers before me. You know, get something nice. get something you light. You sound like me now, dude. Yeah, exactly. So I guess something <laughs> light, get something, you know, you know, something that's modern. Now, I my first bike was <laughs> was a carbureted um 85 BMW Airhead. And uh that thing did not like to start when it's cold. Uh, <laughs> the the carburetor was not balanced. I didn't know what I was doing. And that thing was over 500 pounds and yeah. So, <laughs> uh, luckily, I did learn how to ride on that bike. Uh, it was somewhat manageable, but it was by no means light. I mean, it was very heavy, um, for ex especially for like something to manage as a beginner in the parking lot. It just feels so heavy. Like when you're trying to learn a balance, and then like you're coming to a stop and you're trying to figure out how you're going to shift your weight, um, and learn how to shift your weight. That thing was just it sucked. 
and and every time and and, and it's, it's beyond just like you know feeling like you know intimidated by the weight it's also like if you try to like grab onto the bike and you try to like yank it like it's falling over and you try to pull it up i mean there's a very likely chance that you could pull a muscle or not when it's really really heavy because you just it takes a lot of effort to to balance it and then you try to pull it up so i would say get something lighter but i will put a uh, caveat in there that a lot of people say well you buy like a 250 for like you know two thousand dollars that is decently running uh, whatever 250 it is i mean of course like i really used uh, older style 250 you buy it for like two grand uh, and then and then once you learn and you sell it and then you buy something else that's a little more powerful I would say I would go middle of the road. Like if I were to make a recommendation, I would go middle of the road. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get a two fifty if you're like a six foot one guy like me. Like that. That would just. That would just. It just looks like a monkey humping a football. It just looks. It looks ridiculous. And also, like you're gonna grow out of it so quickly that you're gonna have to sell your bike. And while 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 these bikes do sell relatively easily, the whole entire transaction is gonna end up costing you a lot of money. So I would say get something between the 500 and the 600 twin um, kind of engine where you get like a good like 60 or 70 horses and it's still manageable. It's not like ridiculously fast, but you don't have to like switch the bike out right after you learn how to ride. Um, that I mean, that would be my personal experience. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like if I were to if I was like a new rider and, and my height and my weight. And then, like, trying to look for a bike, I, I would not recommend someone to go get, like, a 250 to start off and, and then, like, change later. Like, like th there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of cost involved in, you know, registration and getting all your stuff and then, like, selling it again and then, and then registering another bike and buying another vehicle and fixing it up or, like, it's just, there's too many things going on. I think getting a decent one, uh, the first bike. Uh, mid-range power nothing too crazy uh and then learn to ride it and then stick with it for a couple years i think that would be something that i would recommend if you're a real man you'll get a leader bike though that's, that's how you right. get my respect that's, that's how you right. get my respect yeah uh and unfortunately i'm not a real man i knew that all along so <laughs> well uh. That I think that about wraps up. I mean, do you guys have anything else to add? That uh, any 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 other any other ideas of like what what are some of the things that people might need to know before getting into motorcycling? I think just approach it with caution and slowly build up a tolerance to it on the road and obviously all the involvement and financials uh, of the sport. But you know, if you stick around long enough and you go on some trips and adventures or even get into track days or start riding off-road, you'll find that there are very few sports that come to motorcycle riding and the thrill that it has to offer. True. I would add, uh, tap into your local community. Meet riders. Learn from their stories. Um, get to know, you know, that's how I learned about some of the gear, um, you know. But I would also say, don't get hung on to their stories. Uh, one of the girls I met told me to ride my own ride. And it took me a long time to understand what she meant, because I initially would always want to like keep my eye on the person in front of me. 
until I started to ride alone, just short distances around, and I realized that I gained more confidence being on my own. No, I think that's a very valid point. I mean, to add to that, I think, like for me, it would be, yeah, get to know somebody, a friend, or, you know, go to local groups or, you know, join a Facebook group and, and meet somebody that rides so that they can somewhat mentor you. And we can talk about mentoring at a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast to itself, but getting, getting a proper mentor uh, will save you a lot of hassle and it will increase um, your, not only your safety in starting the motorcycling, but it will also prepare you to have a um, hobby that you, you can, that, that will stand the test of time. Thank you for tuning in to Break the Cycles. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button and we will see you in our next episode.